So we keep on keeping on. Hey, little humans, I'm Norma Jean, and welcome to Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode number 23, and we're talking to Bernadette Kay, who's an artist, author, product manager, and recently launched her book, Something More, a working professional search for creativity, purpose, and peace. As usual, if you're digging the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from, and write us a review in the Apple iTunes podcast store. It helps other people find the show and moves us up in the algorithm. If you are thinking about coming to Bali, I'm very excited to launch Camp Clarity, a seven-day experience for women in Bali, April 29th through May 5th. Seven-day luxury villa accommodation, authentic Balinese experiences, and deep work for women. So hopefully, if you're thinking about coming to Bali, check that out at joincampclarity.com. I'm so excited, little humans, and let's get to the show. Hi, little humans. We're here today with Bernadette Kay, who is an artist, author, product manager, formerly at Google and Twitter. She recently launched her book called Something More, A Working Professional Search for Creativity, Purpose, and Peace. Welcome to Stay Wild, Bernadette. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So we met in Bali just kind of as one of those beautiful Bali moments. And you told me what you've been up to. And I was like, okay, you have to come on the show. Like, it's (laughs) non-negotiable. And you were like, okay. So I'm so excited you're finally here. You're not on holiday anymore. We're we're having this conversation. Um, And... So you were a creative person. Tell us a little bit about your story. You grew up making art, and then there was a break, and then you went back to making art. Sure, yeah. So um, I've always loved making art since I was a child. Um, when I was a little kid, I was the one who like drew on the walls, um, made art through, all through middle school and high school. Um, and in college, I uh, stopped making art, and I gave that all up to pursue things that were more practical. So I studied... Um, engineering and, you know, business and this kind of stuff. And, um, after Stanford, I worked in Silicon Valley. So I was, um, I was at Google and then I joined a startup and then, um, that startup became part of Twitter. So I was very much deep in the tech world. And after five years of working in tech, I was feeling a little stuck and I felt like something was missing in my life. So, you know, I had tried all sorts of things in the past couple of years, you know, I had done, um, you know, I had switched roles, I had switched companies, you know, like kind of the things that you would expect to do if you're, you're feeling kind of stuck. And um, I just had this feeling that whatever was, you know, uh, making me in that stuck place had something to do with my creativity. Mm-hmm. And if I could reconnect with my creativity, I could somehow get unstuck in other parts of my life, like no matter what. I ended up doing, um, you know, it just had something to do with that. And, um, I looked around me and I saw these amazing things, you know, that, that my peers are doing. And I was like, Whoa, how come they can do all that? And I can't seem to even, you know, like go to the art store and buy a paintbrush. Yeah, like what is up with that? What, what do you mean by what your peers are doing? Like creative projects on the side? Yeah, creative projects or starting their own companies or, you know, just doing things that are really, you know, that I thought were like totally amazing, um, no matter what those were. So, so yeah, so um, what I did was I actually uh, started looking into the reasons why I um, 
had stopped making art. Mm. And I started making art um, in a class at uh, on, on weekends, on nights and weekends, um, at a class at the San Francisco Art Institute. Mm. And we were assigned to do a drawing a day for like every day of the semester. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a 10-minute sketch a day. Um, and the teacher had said, okay, out of all the many years that I've assigned this assignment, only one person has ever actually finished it. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> oh, game on. Like, all right, I'm going to try and do this. So um, I would come home from work. So instead of staying super late at work, and I would actually come home at a reasonable hour. And um, I didn't have a studio at the time, so this was all in my apartment. Yeah. Uh, and I just pushed like an old kitchen table against the wall, and I started making art again. So I did I did that drawing a day um, for every day of, of the class. And I could just say that um, something just felt so peaceful as I was doing it. It just felt like, you know, that feeling of like completion when like you have two puzzle pieces that actually fit together. Oh, yeah, like, totally. Oh. Totally. Yeah, like, that's what it felt like. And I was like, this is amazing. Mm. Um, so yeah, so even when I was on business trips for work, I had like a little folder that had paper and, um, you know, watercolor crayons and colored pencils and art supplies. And then after, you know, the meetings for the day, I would, you know, go, go and, um, make my art piece. So that's something I, I really committed to. Um, then after that, I, I, it was just such a powerful experience for me. Uh, I started out at the beginning feeling really kind of stuck and disempowered and it was just the most empowering thing to see at the end of the semester, if you put up all of that art on a wall, it would cover like a whole wall. Yeah. And I, yeah. And it was just like absolutely beautiful to see like, wow, I have created something larger than myself. Like, like I can see it on the wall. So, so yeah, so that was, um, that was, you know, just very, very powerful, powerful experience for me. Mm, amazing. So when you were talking about something is missing and the reasons why you stopped making art, because um, for me as well, I had a break, you know, maybe like 10, 15 years where I just didn't feel like I had agency to do that, you know, mm-hmm. where I didn't feel like I had the right to do that, I guess, you know, and, and there's this there's this thing about being an artist, right, where you have to say, well, you know, no one's stopping me. So that's why I'm doing it. And it's really about creative expression. So um, did you when you were talking about the reasons why you stopped making art, were you able to identify any of those? Or was it about expectations and living in the West and having to, you know, have a really monetary, um, like monetarily driven career path? Absolutely. Um, I'm a Filipino American daughter of immigrants. And so, you know, you know, through college, there's a lot of my peers that were always told, you know, go follow your dreams and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, as a child of immigrants, the 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 family culture and the considerations um, are a bit different to just, you know, the emphasis is to like, you know, do something that other that other people can see as, um, you know, more safe and more practical. So on one hand, it was that practical piece that I had just internalized. Um, and then the other was perfectionism, right? Like, oh, you know, if it's not perfect, then it's not worth doing, right? Yeah, like, totally. and yeah. And then if you were like that art kid, um, in school, you know, you were like one of the couple kids who, 
um, were quote unquote always like quote unquote good at art, right? Which is this whole problematic, you know, yeah. way of looking art at it. Art is subjective. Um, Everyone is an artist. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. But like, um, you know, if you were externally validated for that as a child and then, you know, as an adult being like, oh, what if it's not perfect? You know, what if it, you know, I used to paint better. Like, why, um, you know, why bother if it's not going to be perfect? So, yeah, so those are a couple of the reasons that, mm. um, yeah, that had come up. And what were some things you did to let go of that perfectionism? Because for me, I mean, I definitely had that as well. I didn't make music until I was 25 because I'm from L.A. Oh, and wow. I thought, I don't look like Taylor Swift, so I can't yeah. make music. But that has nothing to do with anything. Um, and so what were some things for you that uh, enabled you to let go of that expectation of perfection and, you know, that glossy, I think in, in the U.S. we have that as well. You know, it's a very like if it's not going to be on the level, what's the point of doing it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was most helpful for me was slowing down the tape of, you know, and of the thoughts that were going on in my head about this and the thought patterns that were blocking me and actually journaling and like writing stuff down. And like once, you know, in my mind, it just seems so like the objective truth, right? Like, oh yeah, this is the truth. Um, but then actually, you know, seeing it all written down and, and having that reflected back to me in some way was really helpful. Cool. Yeah. It's, it, I think it's one of those things where, you know, we have, our beliefs, you know, which we think is, is the truth in the world, but that's not necessarily true. Right. And the things exactly, that we, exactly. yeah, I mean the things that we say, you know, I'm this or I'm that or whatever, however we identify and whatever those labels are, sometimes they can be really restrictive. Exactly. Yep. Amazing. So in terms of having a creative practice, um, I also have the, the daily doodle cartoons and there's, yep, there's something really great. Yeah. 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 There's something really great about it where having a creative practice, like you were saying, you know, I love the way you put it because for me as well, I, I, I've never actually heard it put that way, but having a creative practice where you produce something every day, it creates a creative body of work. Right. Mm, so, I mean, like, you know, yep. when you look at my little cartoons, like they're definitely more simple than your sketches. You know, but and you look at them and you're like, okay, this is one little thing, but it's it's one tile in the mosaic of your work. And mm -hmm. having that practice, I think, do you, did you? For me personally, I found it kind of like a meditation, you know, and kind of like a daily check in. Did you have that experience mm -hmm. as well? Yes, yes, yeah. For me, it was um, it was this ritual, right? Like, as you come home from work and then set up your workspace and like kind of go into this place and and it's this like safe, protected container for for all of those ten minutes. Like, you're not, I'm not checking my phone. Nothing else can bother me. It's this like sacred ten minute container. And then, yeah. So as as the project went on, that container obviously grew um, as one enters a state of flow. But it it did just start out as you know, just ten minutes a day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about the state of flow. <laughs> okay, let's so do it. <laughs> in terms of creativity, right? There's there's this thing where, you know, I think for me personally, creativity, and I've started to do some workshops about this and talk to quite a lot of people about it. When you enter into an artistic project or a creative practice, there's a showing up, right? You have to show up every day, and everyone's yep. like, oh, you know, yes. you have to catch the creative wave, but. I also believe that you have to be in the water. You have to be on your surfboard, you know, creative, creatively, if we're going to use like a surf 
uh, mm-hmm. ocean analogy, right? You have to be in the water. You have to be on your board. You have to be facing the right way. You have to, you know, make sure you ate breakfast. Whatever it is, you have to create the conditions so that when that wave comes, mm-hmm. you can catch it. Mm-hmm. Did you? What are some things that you do in terms of um, working with your flow? Uh, creatively and how to maximize that and make the most of it? Yeah, so um, I have experimented with what works for me. Um, so yeah, so I, so what I'm telling you uh, is going to be the result, is, is the result of, you know, all 78 days and of, of, you know, doing this project and also the whole process of writing my book. So eventually I, I've um, kind of come up with like an you know, a few things that are the optimal set of conditions for me. And I invite, you know, listeners to also do the same for them. Like kind of, how do you experiment with what works best for you? Um, so for me, I start with my body. Um, I, you know, am I hungry? Um, you know, just making sure that I have enough energy to show up and, um, you know, uh, give my best work. Um, for me, I like places that are quiet and a little dark actually so some people like creating with a lot of sunlight I actually like you know my my deepest creative creative work actually has come from um environments that have less light they're more like cave-like mm-hmm. um and um I also need to be warm so and so I put on a sweater like my sleeves need to be covered right my arms need to be covered so I always make sure I'm wearing sleeves so these are like three highly specific oh and it, it has to be quiet um so these are just a handful of just highly specific um, kind of conditions for me. And, yeah. you know, for every person, it's different. But even with just those, like, handful of things, um, you know, it makes just, like, a huge difference for me and my creative practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for for every person, you're right, it's totally different. But there's things that, you know, like, really make the difference. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like for me with the cartooning before I switched to an iPad, it had to be a certain kind of pen. <laughs> you know, it had to be. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't like it wasn't like a felted pen. It had to be like the brand of the felted pen. Correct. And it had to be, yes. you know, a certain time of day. And I had to be wearing fuzzy socks. And, you know, there's all these like weird things, you know, where yeah. there's something where you have to create this state of it's almost like, you know, with a lot of people who are into yoga and meditation you know, creating that state of relaxation for a creative mm-hmm. practice. It's about creating that state of, um, inspiration. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then with just those little pieces in place, it's the, it's the the ideal container for you to just, just, uh, feel safe and let go. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of see what, what comes out and all that. Yeah. Um, so moving into your book, this is exciting. Okay. So you did this, 70-day sketch creative practice, which sounds amazing. I'm so excited. You have an exhibition coming up as well for this. Yes. Yep. Um, and so the the book um, is the result of that, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm happy to share the story yeah. um, behind that. So I did this, um, you know, daily drawing project, and that was, you know, very much a rewarding experience. And I wanted to share that experience with others. So I recorded my um, learnings in a Medium post. So I just put on, published like an essay on Medium. Uh, For those of you at home, Medium's like a, it's like a website where people can write in posts and experiences and and lots of things like that where you can kind of share insight, right? 
Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so I, I put together all of my um, kind of like learnings, best practices in case mm. it would be of interest to anyone. And to my surprise, um, you know, I posted it on Facebook and I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of like a message in the bottle and we have kind of thrown that into the ocean and like, okay, cool. Let's see what, you know, we'll just see what happens. This yeah, is totally. my gift. Um, yeah. And I, what I didn't, I was absolutely surprised to see how deeply it resonated with some people, like people from, I hadn't even spoken to in years, just started replying being like, I cried when I read this. I thought it was me who was speaking like things like that. And I was like, Whoa, that is just magical. And I was like, I don't, you know, with all of my writing, with all of my art, I feel like I don't have to, you know, I, we may not know each other, may have not met each other, but I know that a piece of my soul and a piece of your soul have just resonated with each other. And that's, you know, absolutely beautiful and magical. Um, yeah, so it started, so I, um, put it together and in that medium post shared that, um, got some great responses. And then after looking at all that art, I just felt compelled to make it into a book. It just seemed like the next natural step. You know, I just had this stack of art and I was like, okay, what's going to come like the next phase of this project is to become a book, Mm. but I don't know how to write a book. So I'm going to go learn. So I took a class um, at the San Francisco Writers Grotto a couple months after the art class. Mm-hmm. And again, on nights, on weekends, early mornings, yeah. I I wrote the first draft of the book while I was working um, full-time in Silicon Valley. Um, and I actually used a lot of the lessons from the daily drawing project. I built upon that to um, create the you know, right container and expectations for that second phase, the actual writing of the book. Amazing, amazing. And so you're talking about when you created the book, you started writing it on nights, on weekends, and it kind of fit into your daily life. And I mean, I Mm -hmm. live abroad, I'm currently in Bali. And so Mm -hmm. for me, you know, being away from the States, there's a lot of this, right, in the U.S. where people pursue their creative passions as a side hustle. Mm -hmm. And for some people, uh, they're able to parlay that into its own thing. And for some people, it's just a project and then they, you know, keep their job and then they do another project or they, Mm -hmm. you know, maintain that, right? Whether it's playing music or whether it's doing drawings or whether it's dancing or performing or whatever. Um, So what is that culture like in... Um, in the U.S., specifically on the West Coast, and how how do people maximize that? Yeah, um, I can only speak to the experience of, of my own experience yeah. and those of my close friends and colleagues, but I think for a lot of people, the biggest key is to just have permission to, you know, look for something more in their life, let it be like you know, reconnecting with their creativity or experiencing nature or exploring their spirituality, like just any of these things kind of like outside of work for a lot of people. Um, I've seen even just being like, Hey, it's okay for you to go pursue this. Um, you know, that makes all the difference and people kind of know where to take it from there. So once people have that permission, they're, they're off to the races. Um, I do see some folks, um, a lot of folks like pursuing their own side projects, let it be in like music or art, design, writing. Um, And yeah, having that, uh, you know, stable 
foundation, you know, it helps uh, keep, uh, you know, that stable foundation for that, for that creativity to come through. So they don't have to put um, pressure, pressure on, on these side projects. Yeah. To make money. So for some people, that's what works for their creative process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so interesting what you said about having permission or giving ourselves permission. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, for as a creative person, there's a vulnerability there, right? Like you're putting a part mm-hmm. of yourself out there that isn't the same as everything else. And that's what's beautiful about creating art. You're bringing something into the world that didn't exist here before, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a vulnerability with that, right? Because new is always different. Um, or a lot of the mm-hmm. time, new is different. Um, and as mm-hmm. women, do you think that that giving yourself permission is even more augmented? Because in general, um, in society, we're not taught to do that as much? Yes. I think women you know, have their own um, kind of very powerful inner critic around giving themselves permission and around like desire, making time for themselves um, and prioritizing, um, you know, creativity in their lives. Yes. Yeah. No, I think the same thing. That's why I asked. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so what are some things that you've done kind of to counteract it? Or, you know, when not even just with yourself, but when you see other friends that are creative or, you know, thinking about doing a project, but you see them kind of hitting that wall, what are some things that you do or that have seen that are helpful in terms of giving yourself permission? Um, I think it, I think it helps to ask kind of like, what, what is like kind of the smallest unit of the thing that you can do in just a couple minutes a day? Um, so let it be, you know, let's say you, you have an interest in like woodworking or something like, is there something little that you can make or start, you know, start to learn or take a class or something just like kind of with what you have, um, Mm you know, what can you make with that? So for some people, it might, they might just automatically think it's all or nothing. Like I'm either going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a writer, right? Like it becomes this really dramatic thing when in reality, you know, the way it starts is just like, all right, you know, what if you write a blog post a month, a blog post a quarter, you know what I mean? Just one blog post ever, right? Like how about we start with that, right? Um, so, so I guess that's what I would say is like, what's the smallest unit? Um, I love and, that. Yeah. So like realistic yeah. expectations, but that are yeah. achievable on a, and it's not about, I mean, for me, especially, I, I totally am on the same page with you. It's not about how big the work is. It's about how consistent it is. Yes. Yes. And, and also like kind of what hacks can you do to make it as easier for yourself as possible? So for example, um, I find some people really like voice memos, you know, they're like, Oh my God, like I have this story I want to tell, but like, you know, I, you know, when I sit in front of the computer, I just get this writer's block It's just too intimidating. Mm. And I'll say like, cool. Okay. Do you use voice memos? Like you're telling me the story right now. Why don't you just record it and then figure out what to do with it later? You know, and you know, maybe transcribe it later, but, but just how do you get that story out? What, like, what's the smallest unit of something that you can start doing. Yeah, what's the easiest way to get there? No, that totally makes sense. And for a lot of people, we focus so much on, I mean, because as artists, really, it is a process-based endeavor, right? Whenever you make something, it's really Mm -hmm. about the process. So when you're really hung up on that process, 
those little hacks, like the life hack, artist hack thing, mm -hmm. sometimes just totally make the difference. You know, for some projects, mm -hmm. I know people that outsource certain parts of it because they're like, look, it just won't get done if I don't do this. And that's okay. Yeah, and it's still yeah. mine and it's yeah. still, you know, my project. But, yeah. you know, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's a book and they want someone else to, you know, read and edit the first draft or whether it's, um, you know, a song and they want someone else to record, you know, one of the instruments on the track. Like, you know, art mm -hmm. is a collaborative thing. And I think reaching out, yes. there's a lot of pressure to be successful on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the, for, you know, in the intro of my book, I actually, one of the things I read is like, you are not alone, right? And so that means, you know, you're not alone in wanting to have this creative side to yourself and, and explore that creative side of yourself. And, you know, as, as you're saying, like, you are not alone in, mm. in actually producing or, yeah, channeling this creative work. So, yeah, the question is like, what, um, how can, how can, others support you in that. So for some, some people, it's a class. Like for me, that's been really successful, right? You have a, an instructor who's there to give you feedback. You have this structure. Um, so you have that accountability. You have peers. You have a community like built into that. Um, on my book, I worked with an editor, um, someone who is advising me on layout, right? Like think of any creative work that you admire and if you just look at the credits, like all of the people who, you know, the teams that have been, have worked on that. Right. So, you know, that's really humbling for me to see like, oh my God, like this person I look up to that's created this amazing thing. Well, that person absolutely did not do it alone. And, you know, that's, that's just something that's really, you know, comforting to me as I reach out, um, for help on my creative work. That's such a good point. I mean, you know, when you think about it, anything else, right, whether it's like a physical product or a company or whatever, there's, you know, it, it takes a village, right? And so for creative mm -hmm. projects, it's not different, right? If you're recording mm -hmm. an album, like for me, when I record an album, I sing, I have someone else play guitar, I have someone else play bass, I have someone else play a percussion, I have someone else mix it, I have someone else master it, I have someone else print the things, you know, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a collaborative effort. Um, and yeah. I think as creatives, there's, I think when you put your name on something, you feel more personally responsible for it and you carry that burden more on your, on your own shoulders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. And I, I love that you, when you were doing the, you know, when you decided to start making art again and you went to the art class and then when you decided to, you know, you learned all these things from that process and, and write a, and you went to write a book that you sought help and you sought community and you sought collaboration mm -hmm. and structure and all that because mm -hmm. for a lot of people, right? Like myself included, that structure is what's going to make the difference. Yes. Yes. You know, and for like, I have a, I have a couple other friends who are authors and have published books with publishing houses and all that. And, you know, they've done writer's workshops, they've done classes, mm -hmm. they've done, mm -hmm. and you know, people don't, I guess if you're in if you're in it, people talk about it. But there's also this kind of pressure to be this, you know, one man band, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's also an artifact of our culture, right? That that really um, idealizes this like solitary hero. Um, you know, like artifact we, of our culture. We, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, think of the way we tell stories of the heroes in our culture. Like let's even take Silicon Valley, like, Oh, Steve Jobs did this. Mark Zuckerberg did that. Like they're so great. Being like, yes. And you know, there are thousands of people in all of those companies, you know, also, um, yeah. you know, 
very much contributing to the success of those companies. So yeah. And so in, in creative work as well, it's like, okay, what, who's your team? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I think a lot of that pressure, especially with in the creative world, I mean, obviously in Silicon Valley that exists, you know, with the whole like wonderkind destined. And I think mm -hmm. Malcolm Gladwell broke that down really well in, um, the, in outliers where he talks about 10,000 mm -hmm. hours and you know, all the things that mm -hmm. had to happen in terms of people they had to meet and experience they had to have exposure to, to be, you know, these outlier successes. But I think creatively also, you know, when you're looking at other people's art and the marketing for that art, it's here's this one person who did this one amazing thing and you know, they're amazing. Right. Like yes. you're looking at an album yeah, cover yeah. or you're looking at a book and the, you know, the editor and the team and the, um, literary agent and the publishing house, their photos aren't on the cover, just the author's photo. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit different because there's not the the human representation that there is within uh, more, I guess, brick and mortar companies. But it's, yeah, you're mm -hmm. totally right. There's the solitary hero thing. And I think it's, do you think that it has to do with the individualism that is America, right? America has this like American exceptionalism where, mm -hmm. you know, we're all taught that, you know, whatever we want is out there and we just have to go and grab it. And things like um, uh, things like circumstance and poverty and race and gender a lot of times aren't factors. Um, and so there's a lot of pressure, right? Like anyone can go out and be successful, right? Like anyone can go and be Oprah. But the reality of that sometimes is, well, if I'm not going to be Oprah, you know, why am I going to yeah. go for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you did the workshop, you wrote the book. Um, and what for you was that process like? Yeah, um, it started out as one draft while I was, you know, working full time in the tech world. Then um, I decided to take, to take a sabbatical from the tech world. Um, and in the months after I um, would work on a draft and um my, uh, I was, I was working with an, with my editor, she would give feedback and then there'd be a couple months in between, you know, then I'd look, open it up again and see her feedback in a new light. Um, I got peers to, uh, give me feedback on it as well. Um, and I think one really big lesson I learned from this was, you know, in our culture, it's all like, go, go, go. Like, you know, just throw more work at it. Right. And, one of the things I learned for sure is that things take time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted so badly to finish the book and just check it off my to-do list and be like, hey, guys, like, I validated my time off. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of stuff. But I just knew that, like, I just needed that draft to marinate and deepen and, like, lie fallow for a couple months in between. And um, after my peers gave feedback and um, my editor gave feedback, you know, I was like, okay, I, I actually didn't really understand their feedback. And a couple months later, I opened up the exact same emails, the exact same files, and it was just so clear to me what they were saying. And I was like, okay, I know exactly what I need to do and the direction I need to go into. Um, so yeah, so that was very helpful. Um, and the last couple months of writing, um, you know, thankfully I had the accountability of a women's circle I was part of. So they were like, Hey, um, you've been working on this book for a while. Like what's, um, so again, like you were not alone and they're like, okay, what, um, 
when are you going to launch this? You know, pick a deadline. You know, are you in that state where you can pick a deadline? I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, and I picked actually the last full moon before my 30th birthday. So that was super special. So, yeah, so that that's that's how it, it got written. <laughs> that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And I love that you also gave yourself time, right? Like not all of us have the resources to take a sabbatical or take a break from our job or, you know, quit mm -hmm. the job and pick up the next one. But I think that there is also something beautiful. I mean, obviously the, the gig economy, um, mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, people don't have insurance and there's a lot of downsides, but a lot, some of the upsides are that you have this freedom to mm -hmm. really go deep on projects. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I love, I love that you did that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm really thankful for the opportunity to have that space to go more deeply. Um, and, you know, if, if I didn't, I would have just kept, kept on keeping on, you know, <laughs> just yeah, totally. um, working yeah, on yeah. it in the time that um, I would have. And yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, you know, I think both are great. Like sometimes we don't have the opportunity to take a break, but it's sometimes in, you know, the upside of that, gig economy and not being with the same company for 40 years is that sometimes we we can do stuff like that and yes. I, I yeah we can take that space exactly and I think it's more about um you know the holistic viewpoint of your life than you know the mm -hmm. linear you know work mm -hmm. here for 40 years and get the pension and then retire um and also what you said about time and pressure is is lovely you know I think there's sometimes when we create something, it comes in this big fire, right? You know, it comes in really fast and hot and mm -hmm. magic happens. And then what do you do with that, right? And, and how does that sit? And what does that mean? And what do you want it to be? And sometimes it's important, you know, for music, for art, for writing, for dance, for, you know, really anything creative. It's, sometimes it's important to have that perspective. Yeah, for me... Um you know, that hot fire comes at the beginning of a project. So I'm so good at starting projects. Yeah, same, totally. Um, yeah, and then at the, and then the challenge is like, okay, how do I take this, you know, to the finish line? Um, and one thing that's really helped to me along these lines is just being really clear on my why. Like, why on earth am I doing this? Of all the projects and ideas and, we, you know, things I could be doing with my life right now, like, why? And um, for me, that why always has two components um, in my creative work. One is for me and one is for others. So um, I genuinely enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And does it give me pleasure and joy? And then the second is um, that, that really helped me um, take my book to the finish line was my, my why of, like how, of who the book could potentially um, be of value to, you know, maybe it would help someone else on their journey. So in that case, I, in, in that situation, I had, um, a specific friend in mind who, you know, in, when I was writing, I was writing the book basically to her and I'm like, what would I tell her, um, about my story? And that helped immensely to, um, focus the book and also help me take the project to the finish line. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's so amazing. Even with, with products, you know, you always think of your target market and your target mm -hmm. customer and who are they mm -hmm. and where do they shop at. You had a specific person in mind um, and mm -hmm. you really, it sounds like you really did it w with the embodiment of the spirit of service, 
right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of projects mm-hmm. we all do that are like a passion project that's really for you. And then there's projects we do that are so fulfilling on that level, but also have that extra um, ability to help others find their way or connect with themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, maybe some projects have both of those components. Maybe some projects, you know, have one and not the other. But I think even just showing up and doing whatever it is your project is gives everyone around you permission, going back to the theme of permission, to yeah. do whatever to what do whatever it is that they need to do and yeah. that they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so I read, uh, I read an article that you wrote about having multiple creative endeavors, passions. Um, yes. And I also am one of those people. And there's – it's hard. <laughs> It is. It, it can be really hard. Um, yeah. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, we're also taught, like, there's an expectation that, you know, to put that label on ourselves. And then once we have the label, we can kind of relax into that. But, you know, for a lot of us who are creative or who are entrepreneurial or who are spiritual or whatever it is, you know, that's your general genre of interest and expertise, there's a lot of different avenues and projects that can come out of that. Yeah, um, having a lot of interest is something that I um, was very confused by when I was choosing a career path. And, um, you know, just acknowledging like, hey, like the human imagination, the human mind is so beautiful and so vast and so varied, like, and all of that like predated are kind of like artificial machine of like job specialization. So once I saw that like, oh, okay, like I'm not the one who's weird. Like all of us have, you know, it's, it's natural for a human being, like most human beings, if not all human beings to have all these different interests. And it's just kind of the way we, that jobs and, you know, companies and stuff are structured in our society that's causing this conflict that helped me um that brought me a lot of peace right instead of me thinking some something was like wrong with me for you know being curious about so many different things um yeah and and for for a lot of people just recognizing that they're like oh okay like i'm not alone you know back to the themes of permission and i'm not alone like it's okay and i am not alone like yeah it's it's um you know just really powerful shift. Yeah, absolutely. I think for a lot of people, there's pressure to make one or two things really successful or to focus. But I I like what you said about the why, you know, because for each project, Mm -hmm. there is a why and that's what's going to drive it. Um, And, you know, um, and also for a lot of different projects, you know, let's say you have multiple passions. There's a lot of like whiteboarding in your head you can do being like okay this is the one that's going to make money this one isn't and like but a lot of those are theoretical um and it's only in like doing them and putting that work out in the world and kind of seeing what happens can you answer those questions yeah absolutely you have to you have to pull the trigger um Mm -hmm. amazing yeah i mean i love that you are very you're so brave in this you know you're like you're coming at it because there's for you. me, for me at least, yeah. I mean, for me at least, there's this emotional, you know, big stop sign that's like, um, <laughs> and I love how resourceful you are, right? You're like, okay, I want to write a book, and I'm not just going to sit here and set myself up for failure. I'm going to 
find yeah. a writer's group and do a class and, you know, ask for um, insight from peers and what they thought about it and have them review it and all that. So I, I mm -hmm. love that, you know, village communal aspect of it because for a lot of people, there's this feeling that you either do it alone, you know, you succeed alone and you fail alone. And that's just not, mm -hmm. that's just not, you know, holistic and it's not sustainable yeah. from a vulnerable creative place. Yeah, it's not very fun either. <laughs> no, no, it's not yeah. very fun either. You're like sitting <laughs> alone in the dark, it. right? Like Hemingway with his cigarette and <laughs> typing on this typewriter, yeah. right? Like, brrr, you know, there's this and, and, and there's this archetype, yeah. I think, of like the tortured artist. And I think a lot of people feel like they have to suffer yeah. alone to yeah. um, to succeed or to claim their art. And that nece isn't necessarily true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a short break and then when we come back, we're going to hear okay. about what you're up to next. And yeah, exciting times. Okay. Stay tuned. Exciting news, little humans. Today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I make all my art, music, daily doodle cartoons, which you can see on my website, NJ Loves. That's NJ like Norma Jean Loves.com. We've also teamed up with Bali Spirit Festival. It's been mentioned a few times on the podcast, and some of the guests are going to present there Levi Banner, Nadine McNeil, Awahoshi. It's April 2nd through 8th, 2018. And we've teamed up with them to offer you guys a discount to come to Bali and come to Bali Spirit Festival. So hopefully it's that extra little push to get you over here. Use the code STAYWILD for $40 off the five-day spirit pass or Stay Wild Abundance for $50 off the full enchilada abundance pass. So hopefully for, for those of you that are listening to the podcast and really resonating with the content, with the guests, with the spirit of Bali, it'll help get you here to Bali to meet some of the people that have come on the podcast and really join the spirit of what we're doing. If you do like the podcast, as usual, please subscribe, write us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, share the show with your friends. It's available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and also Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. So, you know, every time you hear a bell, an angel gets its wings, <laughs> and every time you write a review and share the show, other people are able to find it. It moves us up in the rankings. So hopefully in the, in the algorithm. So so hopefully um, more people will find the show and can share in all of these amazing stories and journeys and niche expertise. So I hope you're enjoying today's episode and let's get back to it. All right, little humans, we're back here with Bernadette Kay, artist, author, product manager, and before the break, we were talking about the creative project and this book about having a creative process, what comes out of that, how to work with it. Um, so Bernadette, I want you to talk a little bit about the book, what's, what that meant to you and um, how it's evolved. Yeah. Um, when I first started writing the book, I totally thought it would be just about how I started making art again. And I thought that was the ending. And I was like, okay, yeah, that seems like a, you know, pretty cool book to write. Um, and as I was writing it, you know, like this is one of those creative projects where the, the creative project is the teacher. Um, 
as I was writing the book, as I continued on my, my own inner journey, the book ended up being about self-acceptance. So me reconnecting with my creativity was just the middle and the ending is actually self-acceptance. So earlier, um, in the podcast, you had asked me, you know, about my creative blocks as a, as a woman. And, um, that gave me pause and because it was such an important part of my journey. Um, so I had mentioned that one of my biggest creative blocks was to be perfect and that perfectionism yeah. and yeah. And so it's just like, Oh, be perfect. You know, if it's not going to be, you know, be perfect, be successful. Like, and if it's not perfect, then it's not worth doing and that kind of stuff. And as soon as I started to dig into where those messages were coming from and just getting curious about it, mm. um, just not too far away did I find, um, you know, sexism, misogyny, the model minority myth. And um, what's what's the model and, minority myth? What, real quick. So for those yeah, listening the, at home, what is that? Uh, the model minority myth is is this idea that certain like I guess non-white racial minorities so again there's there's probably a, a better definition for all this but um, you know I'm, I'm open to feedback on this but um, but basically it's when like a non-white racial minority um, needs has, puts a lot of pressure on itself to have like quote unquote like perfect citizen behavior to be accepted in our um culture in our western society totally so totally. yeah like yeah, you can't so make a mistake means, you have to get good grades you have to follow yes. the law you know whereas yep. there's this amount of privilege right where you never question your difference because y you are the majority exactly Exactly. And, um, and it's also a way to separate yourselves from other minorities as well, who, you know, our media and whatnot has painted to be not the model minority. So that's, um, okay. Cause know, there's, there's I mean, like, so as much going on with that. Okay. Cause I mean, you're, uh, you're Asian American and you went to Stanford, mm -hmm. so I'm sure there was quite a lot of that right so you know there was oh yeah yeah I'm sure there was a lot of that pressure and there was you know mm -hmm. I don't I don't know how long your family's been in the U.S. but I'm sure there was pressure of you know you have to be perfect in the American dream mm -hmm. and yep. and all mm -hmm. that and I think yeah I mean especially I mean for 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 me personally I get it as a woman um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and but I think when you add race into that it's you know exponentially augmented that's so yes. interesting yeah yep yeah and um and you know I see these systems as like systems of you know separation like separating ourselves from one another separating you know the masculine and feminine within ourselves and um the ending is around self-acceptance is about self-acceptance because I had seen how much of these messages I had internalized and basically learned in deep, deep in my subconscious yeah. to basically hate myself. And, you know, if one hates oneself that deeply, you know, that, you know how they say like, this is how, um, I, what kind of separation do you expect in, in the rest of the world, you know? And so it's really, it's 
kind of it's really sad to be like oh my god like and and if you asked me like a year ago Burnett or like two years ago being like Bernadette like you know do you hate yourself of course I'll be like no of course not like I love myself what but it was only through writing the book going this journey reconnecting with my creativity seeing where those blocks came from and you know reconnecting with my body um, you know, my gender and expectations and spirituality and things like that, where I was just like, whoa, like, I have learned so deeply to hate myself. And like, that's not cool. Yeah, I mean, so, was it, what, yeah. is it like, hate, like, I'm not like everyone else, I'm not deserving? It It's more of like, because of the, uh, because of the way I look, because I'm a woman, I, the only way I will be worthy of love and belonging is if I'm perfect. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That makes, yeah, that makes so heaps of sense. And uh, I mean, yeah. even, even just as a woman, right, we're taught that, mm-hmm. you know, we can't yep. have, we have to be thin and we can't have body hair and we have to, yeah. you know, be nice to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, men have their own, you know, expectations around this too, right? Like, you know, our expectations of what a real man should be and all this other stuff is... Yeah, it's not one-sided. You know, no, no, not at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess, like, wow. <laughs> it was just really eye-opening for me to see that and really um, it brought me a lot of peace once I was able to bring those, you know, up to my conscious mind and release those and just let those go and start writing new stories for myself, like, literally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's so interesting, you know, because I think there it's there's this dichotomy, right? In the US there's this big contrast between um, you know, you are the creator of your destiny and manifest destiny and then there's a lot of, you know, societal pressure where if you don't look a certain way or act a certain way or from a certain background or whatever, you know that you don't have that um right to do so. So it's so interesting and empowering. Um, and even if you're coming from a place of, you know, the ultimate like white male Christian privilege, once you, you know, even if you're coming from whatever background you're coming from, I think that once you actually learn what you want to believe or what you don't want to believe and tell your own story, it's the most empowering mm-hmm. thing. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's great. And I love what you said about how the creative project is the teacher because I think for a lot of us you know mm-hmm. we, we start a creative project and we're like you know there's an expectation of what it's going to be right you know we have a we have a mm-hmm. beginning in our mind and we have an end in our mind and that's not always what happens right sometimes things are they don't work out the way we want maybe negatively or positively or smaller or bigger than than we originally thought right so some projects mm-hmm. die out really early and some projects you never know Right. Like when you started the sketch project, you didn't think it was going to become this, you know, big medium post turning into I'm going to write a book turning into, you know, how do I actually feel about my own creativity and and what results from that? Mm -hmm. And and in turn, like Mm -hmm. helping others. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I I never would have guessed it would if you know, the next step of its evolution is uh a solo art exhibition you know like whoa like that is so yeah like what this is so exciting (laughs) my kitchen table (laughs) absolutely so for those of you at home Bernadette has a solo exhibition coming up Bernadette tell us a little bit about it it's in February correct in San Francisco yes um yes it's at the SF MoMA artist gallery 
um, at Fort Mason in San Francisco. Okay, and for those um, of you who aren't from San Francisco, aren't familiar, SFMOMA is San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. Yeah, and the, yeah, they have an art gallery um, in Fort Mason right on the bay on the water. Um, so I'm, I'm just super excited. Uh, and it'll be on February 21st. Um, and I'll, I have more information on my website about that too. Fantastic. Okay. And, and uh, is your exhibition of the original 70 sketches? Um, it'll incorporate, uh, that work. Um, and also, uh, new work, new work, um, basically the next progression of, of that body of work. So, um, my vision for it is actually to take, um, 10 to 12 of the most compelling images from it and, um, reimagine them at about six feet tall or like six feet wide. Like I'm five two. Right. So when we're talking about making things larger than myself, like making something bigger than yourself, like, Yep, that's, you know, that's the vision. That's the creative vision I'm moving towards. And, you know, the project is the teacher. If the work has um, a different direction it wants to go in, like, I'm totally down, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And I think, you know, for for a lot of us who are creatives, there's a fear of what everything means, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a fear mm-hmm. of success and pressure and all that but sometimes you just have to take an art class and and see yeah. where it goes <laughs> yeah yeah and, and then it turns into maybe, yeah a body of work and a book and an exhibition yeah. and amazing yeah or or you just never know when that those lessons will come back so for example um you know, at the beginning of my journey I had also taken a poetry writing class and I thought I was going to write all this like poetry and it's only now, like two and a half years later, because I have been writing so much. So um, a small plane, can, you know, like a small Cessna can actually take off at 63 miles per hour. It's like I was writing and I just kept writing and writing and, it, and some of it just, fl- just grew wings and started flying and became poetry. So, yeah, but I would never have known that um, when I taken that poetry class like three years ago and be like, okay, why did I take this class? Yeah, and sometimes you just have to try things. It's, and you never know yeah. where it's, gonna, it's going to apply or show up again later. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. And when you were writing mm-hmm. your book, it sounds like, you know, you really just kind of went for it. Um, you mentioned before we started rolling that you kind of hold yourself up for a while and you literally just went yeah. through it. Yeah, so as soon as the ending of the book came to me and, you know, I um, had the accountability from my women's circle of like, okay, this is like the launch date and I had sent out like the Facebook invitation for it. I was like, okay, um, we got to write this book now. And I hold myself up for like about four months and all I did was convert food energy into book. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I would not have been able to go like that time allowed me to go down to a depth and a, a speed, a rate that would not have been possible um, if I was 
if I had more things on my calendar at the time. So for those of you who do have the gift of this time, like, and there's a creative project you'd love to dive into, this is like a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for some people, having that time to really delve deep is what creates the magic. And for other people, you know, I, I know people who can't quit working and they wake up two hours earlier and they just write for two hours mm -hmm. in the morning. It, yep. it, you know, mm -hmm. but having that time and, um, yeah, committing to it is just, it's, yeah. it's so beautiful on the outside to watch. Um, and yeah. I love what you said about your women's circle. So for those of you at home who are listening, um, who aren't familiar, women's circles is really, it's, it's kind of a group where you gather usually weekly and you, it's usually with people that you know and you talk about specific issues or you have a theme and it's really a way for women to gather and support each other. Well, Bernada, I'm so excited. We're going to have all of your links and information for the upcoming show on the show notes for the podcast. And I'm so excited that you came on the show. Thank you again. And what are your links? Where can people find you? Sure. So thank you again for having me on the show. Um, my website is bernadettek.com so that's b-e-r-n-a-d-e-t-t-e-c-a-y dot com so um yeah and i i um send out um a monthly newsletter with like a blog post and stuff and it's it's a way for me to share my adventures and creative projects with you so if that calls to you feel free to subscribe as well Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so you mm -hmm. have your book, you have your art, you have some articles that you've written as well. It's it's all really exciting mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Yeah. All right, little humans. Here's today's toast poem. I'm so excited that Bernadette is going to read one of her original poems, and um, here we go. The five-year-old me, crayons in hand, scribbles on paper spread across the coffee table. She's having the time of her life. She's in no rush. All right, little humans, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Big thanks to Bernadette Kay for coming on. I hope you enjoyed the poem. And if you're thinking about coming to Bali, check out joincampclarity.com. It's an all-inclusive seven-day retreat for women in Bali. I'm so excited. It's all of the knowledge and wisdom coming to you with that magic of Bali. As usual, if you're liking the podcast, please subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. And until next time, little humans, stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.